not you use these things. Yeah, Holly, you there? Okay. Yeah, no, 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 I was just calling to say it was incredible. It was really good. Well, no, anytime you've got a story of, of Jesus coming to be with someone in their lives, you know, this encounter. Yeah, 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 it, it changes things, right? Well, I think everyone wants this, right? We're longing for Jesus <laughs> to uh, be right here in our lives, you know, in our homes, in our offices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny you should say that because I was thinking I should do a sermon on it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, talk soon. So, <clears throat> scripture verse for you. <laughs> Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied. Praise the Lord for he has come to his people. He has come and he has redeemed them. The tender mercy of God will come, come to us from heaven, like the rising sun. You see it? The rising sun. Thank you, Jesus. The rising sun to shine on those living in darkness. <laughs> if this is true, that God is coming to us to redeem us, it means we, don't long, we no longer have to go to him. We don't have to somehow climb to heaven to get relief from the darkness relief from our brokenness. How amazing is that, that God would come to us in our need? And when he comes, God comes to redeem us, to help us, guide us, strengthen us, save us, love us, help us. If you think about it, he could come to judge us, condemn us or burden us with more rules and obligations, even destroy us, but he doesn't. He comes to redeem, to meet us in our need, right where we are. God gives us what we need, not what we deserve. That's the definition of grace. You get what you need, not what you deserve, and he is gracious and compassionate. Got another verse for you here. This one's from the beginning of chapter John, beginning first chapter of John. The true light that gives light to everyone is coming into the world. The Word, that's uh, God Almighty, became flesh and made his dwelling among us, right here. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace giving us what we need, and truth inviting us to what is true, not what we want, but what is true. As we heard before, Jesus is God's hope, made real to us, us in the flesh. Somehow, the creator of the universe, the one who is sustaining it right now, has managed to squeeze himself into a baby and come to be with us, move into the neighborhood, live with us, live 
live in us by his spirit. How can that be? When God does this, it means we can see him and know him, touch him, feel what he's feeling. Christmas is about encountering God in all of his glory, the, the essence, which is the grace and the truth. This morning we're focusing on So what does it look like when he comes into our lives? You saw what happened with Holly Vine, poor Holly Vine at Jingle Publishing. What does it look like when God comes into our lives, our homes, offices? We're continuing our series, Four Parts in Advent, Heavenly Hope in a Heavy World. And today it's Encountering God the way that Holly did. Let me just remind you of the arc of this series. We're preparing our hearts to receive Jesus again at Christmas by facing the darkness in the world and in our hearts. The world is broken and we are broken. In the season of Advent, we look at that problem seriously so that we become aware of our need. Two weeks ago, I did uh, Facing the Darkness in a Broken World, in Our Broken Hearts. Choosing to remember hope. Now, hope is a perspective on our lives that is based on God's goodness. We lift our eyes from the hard circumstances, lift our eyes, and we place it on God. Unchanging, faithful, they who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. And last week, Mike, our narrator, reminded us of all the alternatives to trusting in God. We can trust in our own righteousness, that we do good things. We can trust in our systems and structures. We can trust in our strength and power, maybe our purity and goodness, or maybe the fact that we've withdrawn from a messy world. All of those things are false sources of hope. Instead, we're invited to put our trust, to place our hope in a God who doesn't change, a God who comes to us. And finally, Mike reminded us that we are a people who are still waiting. Jesus has come 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. The world is being saved. If you like, the war has been won but we are still working out each day today what that really means for each of us. We are a people still waiting. We are already, but not yet. So what are we celebrating at Christmas? I would say that we are celebrating that God's response to our need is to draw near, to come and, and help us in our problems. And to that, I want to add one other thought. What are we celebrating at Christmas? That God's response to our need is to come near and help us, to draw us up by becoming one with us. So if you like, he comes to us in our need and takes it all the way to becoming one with us. His heart, one with our heart comes to be with us, comes to be like us, one with us. 
I've got a slide for you here now. I think it's the, the main slide of what I want to share with you this morning. If you're going to take a picture of one to take it home with you, this, this is the one. This is all the different ways that we find ourselves helped by God, the situations of need, and this is what he does. If we're lost, God comes seeking. If we're hurting, then God comes healing. If we're in bondage, he comes to set us free. If we are in debt, he pays the ransom. If we're selfish, he shows us the way to love. And if we are unloved, he draws near. And if we're unwanted or useless, he gives us a role. Let me unpack those a little bit for us this morning. If we're lost, God comes seeking. He's the good shepherd. This is the shepherd who leaves the 99 who are okay at the moment and goes looking for the one who is lost because it's his lost sheep. He doesn't say, that's the stupid one, that's the ugly one, that's the one that no one likes. It's his own fault. They're always running off. They never listen to anything I say. No, he leaves the 99 and he goes and finds the one who is lost. Another way of thinking about this is, if you're in danger, then he comes to rescue you. Think for a moment. If you're swept overboard and you're drowning in a storm at sea, then you can know that he has seen you and launched the lifeboat and has come to be with you. And even if it's dark and you can't see him, and even if the sound of the wind rushing in your ears means you can't hear his voice, it doesn't matter. He's there. He's with you. Even if you can't sense him. If you're hurting, he comes with healing. This is the great physician who not only longs for us to be whole and healthy and strong, but brings that health and that strength to us. If we're in bondage, trapped, either by other people or by our own bad decisions, that entangle us in habits that we wish and wish we could leave behind. If we find ourselves there, he comes. He comes to free us. This is the picture of heaven coming, invading enemy territory that is held by the enemy to lead a great liberation, setting the captives free, the prisoners free from jail. If we're in debt, if we owe somebody something, he pays the ransom. He lays down his life so that we can be forgiven, restored to relationship with God, and flourish. If we are stuck in sin and selfishness, not even living up to our own standards for how we want to be treating other people, he comes and he says, follow me. Do it this way. Lay down your life. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. I'll be with you. I'll give you the strength to do it. If you're feeling unloved, 
He draws near. He says, repent. The kingdom of heaven is near. It's here. It's not far away. If, if you think that God is distant, think again. If you think that you're not worthy, that you're on the outside, think again. Repent. You're in. And finally, if we are unwanted, feeling useless, he gives us a role. From excluded to included, from outside to inside. He says, here are some gifts. I want you to use them alongside me to build up others. Friends, we have gone from slaves in Egypt to servants of the king to friends who know the master's business to children of God. Beloved sons, beloved daughters, beloved children. That's the message of Christmas. So this is what God does for you and for me. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to look at these. These situations and then what God does. Two questions. The easy question is, which one of these was Holly? And what did God do for her? That's the easy question. The harder one is, which one are you here? What do you need God to do for you? I'll give you a minute. Where are you today? What would it look like to invite Jesus in? Thank you. Next slide. The truth of Christmas is Emmanuel, God with us. Im with a new us, El God. Emmanuel, the with us God. And what do we see when Emmanuel comes to be with us? We see radical engagement. He doesn't stay far off. He doesn't turn away. He doesn't ignore the problem. He comes to radically engage us in our need to the point of radical solidarity becoming one with us, having our back, taking our side, 
standing with us where we are and his heart becoming one with ours. Engagement and solidarity, those are abstract concepts. Would you do this with me? This will make it real. Reach out. Here it is. This is you. This is me and our need. Here's God. What does he do? Radical engagement. Feel the grip. He's got you. Radical engagement to the point, do it, feels great. His heart, one with yours, your heart, one with his. And now do this, the chicken dance. Feel the hug? Ooh! Radical engagement to the point of radical solidarity, one with us. Let me do the engagement first. The holy sovereign God makes himself accessible, tangible, knowable, right? You can see him. You can find out what he's like. Very, very near and involved. Not far off and aloof, involved. Seeing us, knowing us, caring for us, helping us. That's the radical engagement and now the radical solidarity. Let's watch what happens as people in the nativity story encounter God. So we've got Mary and Joseph. They know they are holding the Son of God. They know this because they know what they haven't done to make a baby. And yet she's had a child and angel Gabriel's piled up all these amazing things, these titles for Jesus. Son of David, reigning forever. They're holding the Son of God, but he's so ordinary, so beautiful, but helpless. They know he's special, very special, but he's also so needy, just like we are needy. So he's divine, but he's also very small, very weak, and very much needing to be taken care of. Do you see the solidarity? He comes to be just like his parents. And then there's the shepherds. The shepherds find their savior in a manger, a feeding trough full of hay, where normally you would find a cow's head munching, not a little baby. Now, this baby has angels going before him, saying amazing things about him. This is the son of David, ruling on David's throne. But when he actually comes, the, the shepherds sure enough find him in a manger, in a stable. No privilege, no special advantages. If he had been born in a home, in a village, you know who couldn't get to see him? the shepherds. They're perpetually touching unclean animals, so they're perpetually unclean. They're not allowed in villages, let alone in a home. But because the Son of God was born in a stable, they can get to him. That's how accessible he is. Think for a moment the encouragement that the shepherds were to Mary and Joseph. So they have a baby. They know they didn't do the normal thing to get the baby. 
Elizabeth has put her hand on Mary's tummy and said, how blessed am I to be with the mother of my Lord. So that was a confirmation. But now the shepherds come with the news of the angels and they testify to Mary and Joseph. I think that went a long way to help them think, we're not just imagining this. He really is the son of God. But so humble, so helpless, so dependent so accessible for all of us to see. And finally, the wise men. The wise men follow the star. They're looking for the king of kings. They're looking for the king of Israel. We don't know what exactly they were looking for, but when they get to Israel, they go straight to the capital, straight to the palace of Herod the king. Where is he? He's not there. So they continue to follow the star. And Matthew tells us, when they see the baby and his mother, they rejoiced with a great joy. It's really redundant Greek. You rejoice with a great joy. What else would you rejoice with? But they're so happy. They find the king of kings just like us, accessible in a manger. So is this Jesus, Lord our God, king of the universe, or is he a helpless, ordinary, needy baby in a feeding trough? The answer is yes. (laughs) He's both. On one hand, God is mighty to save, healing the sick, casting out demons, teaching with authority, calming the storms, multiplying loaves to feed the crowds. That's true. He is all that mighty to save. And next slide. He comes in weakness, helpless, ordinary, homeless, needy, vulnerable. There's the solidarity. How far will he go? That far. Helpless. He's helpless here in the manger, and he's helpless up on the cross, right? I thirst. I'm stuck here. Can someone give me something to drink? The first thing he did was to call 12 men to walk with him because he didn't want to walk alone. And then he says to Zacchaeus, I need to come to your house today for lunch. And to Matthew, I want to meet your friends. Could you throw a party? To the woman at the well in Sychar, he says, will you give me a drink? Friends, every time this savior asks a question, what do you want me to do for you? He's saying, I need your answer. I need your faith. Needy from start to finish. So ordinary, most of his life lived just as another carpenter in Nazareth. Homeless. Homeless when he was born. Homeless as he lived. Homeless as he died. Never built a building. Never wrote a book. Hmm. Vulnerable. Vulnus is the Latin word for wound, as in wound. Hmm. Certainly on the cross, but woundable by being rejected, woundable by being misunderstood, woundable by having his authority questioned, woundable by having most of his countrymen turn away. You ever had those things happen to you? Very vulnerable indeed. There's many ways that I could highlight the solidarity, but I want to do it this way. 
Next slide. Our gracious and compassionate God feels everything that we do. How solidarity is he with us? He feels everything. Our joy, our sorrow, pain, suffering, heartbreak, rejection, betrayal, loneliness. This aching longing for shalom, the kingdom of heaven to come to earth. When you feel that, you're feeling his heart. Where there is pain and suffering in your life, he is there. Henry Nouwen says it this way. The mystery of God's love is not that our pain is taken away. Oh. But that God first wants to share that pain with us. And out of this design solidarity comes new life. God doesn't want to helicopter us out of the pain. It would be nice. <laughs> oh, back please. But God first wants to share that pain with us. He comes and engages these people in pain to feel that pain with, and then becomes one with it. He shares that pain. And out of this pain, this death, comes resurrection life. Eternal resurrection life springs from this solidarity with us in our pain. That's why Christmas is good news. Even if your situation doesn't change, you know you're not alone. You know he's going through it with you and that life will come from this as the suffering gets redeemed. I want to close by returning to that wonderful verse in John chapter 1. It's a very challenging verse. I'm going to unpack it a little bit more thoroughly here. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into this world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Looks like we got a choice here. Not everyone recognizes him. Not everyone receives him. In fact, it looks like the default is that most people don't. But for all who do receive him, for all those who believe in his name, who believe that he is who he says he was, who believe he really is God for human eyes to see, who really believe he's going to do everything he's promised, those people have the right to become the children of God. Beloved sons, beloved daughters, beloved children of God. Then it continues on, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I want us to recognize him this year. I want us to receive him. Maybe like me, you've received him, recognized him for many decades. We need to do it again this Christmas. One more time. And if you've never recognized him as Lord and Savior, the hope of God come to earth for human eyes to see, then this would be a good time to do it. I want us to learn the lesson of peekaboo, the kids' game. Peekaboo! Where'd he go? 
Peek-a-boo. It's child's play. But like every children's game, there's a life lesson here. There's a survival skill in this game. It goes like this. Just because you can't see the tiger's ears above the grass anymore, he goes down, doesn't mean he's gone. <laughs> Peek-a-boo. Yeah. The tiger was there. You could see him. There's real danger, but now he's gone down. It doesn't mean he's gone. The danger's still there. And on a positive note, just because you can't see mama right now, it doesn't mean she's gone either. Peekaboo, I'm still here. So when mama drops you off at preschool, don't cry. She hasn't forgotten you. She's not abandoning you. She'll be back. And when your ice cream falls onto the sidewalk and everything you see and love, your whole world is melting there on the sidewalk and you can't see your mom around you, you can't hear her voice, remember, she's still there. She'll make it right. Yeah, 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 you say. I got it, I got it. What's your point? My point, <laughs> adults, is that when you can't see God, he's still there. You can't hear his voice. He's still there. In the darkness, when you feel alone, you're not. Remember peekaboo. Christmas is, next slide. Christmas is this glimpse of God in Jesus. Jesus, who is God's hope made real to us in the flesh. Christmas Jesus is our glimpse into God's holy, powerful, loving, suffering character. And that's why we have hope. Right now you're seeing it. But this afternoon or tomorrow in the darkness, you may not. Remember the lesson of Peekaboo. He's still there. Always will be. You're never alone. Amen.